people are welcome. This is Apostle of the Ministry, DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship, Tavo DRC. Also of Tavo Creative Leadership and TavoCreativeConsulting.com, OnlineFellowship.us in case you need us as a resource. We'll be glad to minister, speak to you, counsel one-to-one if you're a top leader and are proven, and speak at your conference or something if we don't have to fly. And the Lord has said I can do Skype conferences or just uh, FaceTime or something like that. So we're on our turf, but we'll be glad to include you. You can visit us when the time is right. Um, I'm going to talk about some things which are really going to be strange to you who are denominational that are Christians. And I mention everything first. Let me say this, my disclaimer. Every comment on every broadcast of this ministry goes to the body of Christ at large, men and women, all colors. It addresses specifically things I've encountered in the Deep South, which is under the Mason-Dixon line from Richmond, Virginia, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama at one time or another, and then going out to the different movements like Tulsa, Oklahoma, base of the Word of Faith, and uh, out here in the base of a lot of different kinds of ministries. So we're not the famous top leader. Mine is their fruit or what happens, and they don't know about it. I don't think the founder of the move, so many people, witches that are under him, that oper- under his, operate under his ministry, I don't think people would like to know that, you know, along with the really good doctrines the top leader, founder, leader has given, which are true, there's also incorporated of these other doctrines such as who's over who, all the gossip and all the keeping tabs of the ministry Joneses, which is my, my nature. I always get my father filming these because my father was so laid back, down to earth, approachable, respectful of men of men and women, the head of the home, and just treated everyone equal opportunity, real respect. He didn't say that, but that's how I look back and think of a Christian, a tour ministry, on and off the stage. He was so comfortable being himself, not being famous, but just being the real deal, and I want to be like that. I want We're trying to operate like that because, you know, the Bible teaches whether you're unsung or well-known, whether it's not your hour, it has been your hour, it is your hour right now. The basic Gospels, when Jesus was alive in Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as a prophet, as the one true prophet, as the apostle of all the other apostles in every gate of every city and every country, around the globe of the church, the true church, that he still went about, Jesus went about doing good, healing all those that were oppressed by the devil and the Lord was with him. We have to remember that he addressed people in the synagogue, but he tossed over their money changers table, their money chasing tables. But he also grew up respecting them because he dialogued with them. Remember when he was 12, he confounded the people the leaders. But then he also ministered to great multitudes outside the big system, and he played with the children. He was humble. So we're going to have a varied view, a complex view, but a simple, many multifaceted view. When Jesus, like Paul, I think, said it also, I'm many things to all people. But he was true to the Lord, true to the people. He wasn't put on a fake act, and that's what we're really bringing this up. We've met some of the ones that say they're Christian and they turn out to be the false brethren or sisterin or covering. So as I t- speak from 
lots of experience on the front lines. Being in ministry since prior to and just as the TV media scandals in the 80s on up, up and down the East Coast, now Dallas, Norfolk, Virginia, cosmopolitan, more rural central Virginia, different places. I really respect the people who have heard the good news, who tell the good news on TV and media. Because I've been out there with them in the grassroots from, in, you know, early on when it started. And I thought, man, what a great, great ability. Just turn on that voice, that voice that says, be of good cheer on radio or TV and get the word of the Lord that really is a divine appointment. And then you're sitting there and you're a lazy boy. And one day maybe you're all hot. You're feeling poor. Nobody's got anything good going. You're all sort of down because you've overworked. Ministry is hard, life is hard, and you got bills to pay, and you got children, and all the different pressures. Then you get a little bit of a chance to refresh. So you turn on the TV, and there's the Christian media looking beautiful and grand and wonderful and surprising, anointed, many times anointed. And then you get different kinds. Maybe they look a little bit too made up or more Pentecostal than you're used to. And I used to think, why are people so offended? Why somebody with all that makeup? You know, a couple of different TV station owners had them, and why are they offended by they? Why are they making fun? I think God uses the scripture comes to me. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the worldly wise, and I never did. I thought you just got to get used to the turf. God's going to test you every turn. Maybe it's your year to be tested more than others, because He's going to use what people look like are foolish to really hide and veil His power, His message. His new good news and his new way of thinking, you know, new impartation and revelation. That didn't mean you accept everyone or prefer everyone's company, but you can at least be a noble Berean, pick out what's hay and what is stubble. I heard that phrase years ago, many years ago, from Word of Faith. After my father died, the Baptist, <laughs> really a Christian more than Baptist, uh, my mother and sister discovered that the Lord called them to Tulsa, and my mother... And then my sister both attended Rama Training Center, Kenneth Hagen Sr. And I had just been a parent for the first time and would fly out there. So I got to get in the atmosphere, study Word of Faith. Plus it came to town in different revivals. And see, I was always from my, raised by a pastor who wasn't, who wasn't firm about, oh, you can only be one kind, you can only be Baptist. Oh, you can't go to any other kind or color. No, we were not like that. So I grew up thinking Christian is a Christian. You born again is born again. Any kind, any color, as long as it is up true to the Bible and it pleases your, the Holy Spirit in you and your conscience. So I wasn't raised under the law or around some of the teaching, which I now discussed with great at great length, because it breaks up the word family and turns it into a legalistic system, big system. Maybe it's a faith of achievement, of Pentecostal power, of, you know, moving and shaking and all that stuff, Hollywood, but we don't want to get there. We want to be real. God wants me to be real because authentic, a taste of truth, and you want to represent truth when you're going out in the name of Jesus Christ. On and off this stage, I'm trying to be, always have. So one of the, th the things that amazed me, I guess, and shocked me, because I am pretty mature, is the fact what goes on under the name, under the sun, under the name of Christ falling to a person who happens to be dressed 
on God's assignment in the earth suit of a Western European female who happens to be an apostle, chief apostle, who was raised to respect all men, to respect, be, who was respected, cherished by her father, who wasn't back under the law and didn't ever say women shouldn't or couldn't be anything or do anything in the Lord. And then I was raised and married the same kind. So there's different groups and tribes, and I'm of that tribe. <laughs> but when you get outnumbered by all the different tribes, and it's so complex, of the ones who believe that with the Holy Spirit you also get the law of authority, legalism, and then that accusation that comes with back under the law, oh, they're church hoppers, oh, they're not under our version of covering authority, oh, it's only a female, only the males are allowed, all those types of things. And because I had happy, safe, emotionally good quality parenting and pastoring as my father, I just simply think that is the trick of the enemy to try to hurt people or cause division or to limit them from God's mighty power or limit me from getting in there because I could have been blessed and protected by their ministry and prayer if they'd let me be friends with them instead of trying to own me. Politics. So instead it goes back to, it kicks into my, I don't know, somewhere in my family, extended family, who are noble Bible Bereans. They were Bible Bereans. They just didn't swallow every person's Kool-Aid, every person's doctrine. They intelligently evaluated it, see if it lined up with the Bible. And I would think, I wasn't there when they did it, but I just know them all, who are now with the Lord. I thought, I bet they also... I know my mom was an exhorter, but they also picked apart what was freedom to choose and what was back under the law. And that's what I've done. And I have a whole lot of, of PDFs and teachings, one of them on top of onlinefellowship.us for ministers or anybody is the PDF on Ephesians 4 Common Doctrine, which is really hard because nobody ever thought t teaches on it in churches. And because of legalism, I put up there what is freedom to, under the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all, common doctrine of Ephesians 4, written by Paul. And what is the jumping through hoops? Thou shalt be under our version of authority. Thou shalt never go to any other church except our kind. Thou shalt be a member of the club church that we formed, or else we'll call you and evaluate and accuse you around the area of the neighborhood as a out of order unsubmitted church hopper and back where I live before I came out here I had my ear more than filled with that because it was a much more close area and everybody seemed to want to know everybody's business and it wasn't law until the TV media affected ministries and different kinds of movements moved in even though we're under the South, under the Dixon, Mason-Dixon line, they still were deeper South than us. Back in college, I'd got New Nine magazine. The Holy Spirit was starting to move. The fledgling charismatic movement and New Wine magazine came out. And they were really good quality. Judson Cornwall, different ones, Don Basham or something like that. I respect them and I still respect them. But one day, one year... In the mid-70s, I remember they started with the covering doctrine of shepherding, and I knew it was off, and I just quit the magazine, and then I didn't think about it till when, after I'd been in ministry, gotten married, graduated college, got been in ministry, called by the Lord at age 24 to study his body, 
that one day I'd build bridges between the different kinds and styles that were born again. I said, okay. But back when, after the faith movement, I was there for the beginning. My mother and them were in it. And still, my mother's up with the Lord. And so my sister's still in it. I'm sort of more cross-body unity than they, and went toward more the prophetic Holy Spirit, even Pentecostal for a while, studying, examining, being imparted to, and also getting the joy, and also the moving in the Spirit, which I enjoy greatly, and the worship, deep worship, prophetic worship, and music. I do spontaneous ministry workshops for composing, getting in with the Spirit, getting in song, and I put some of mine on celebrationofhiswordmusic.com. You can listen. But anyway, so during these different movements, I was learning. I was a student. I was sent to study, but I also knew from my birth, being raised around my grandmother, the Bible scholar, she taught herself Hebrew and Greek alone. She was the first woman to graduate University of Richmond, I believe, in two years, back in her long time ago day. And my aunt was a theologian, a pastor, my father, seminary graduate, my mother, Bible scholar. So I didn't exactly come from people who just, you know, <laughs> didn't have a background of study of real quality. So my biggest fear of anything new with God was even going toward the Holy Spirit. When I went off campus, praise and worship had just started. I'd heard there was healing. Someone said, oh, yes, they have bread. Water turned to wine. I went, oh, I got to go see because I was at a Baptist college back then, and I was also uh, not timid in the Lord, but just very careful of getting into error. So I went, and I, I discerned and judged it, not accused it, but I assessed it, and I thought, it's okay. I didn't see any water turn to wine that night, but I knew it was okay. But afterwards, the leader, the young leader my age, came and said, do you want to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I was 20, and I thought, if it be thy will, Lord, like the Baptists pray. And I didn't want to get taken, so I'd always prayed, Lord, don't let me go to error. That's a good idea. Lord, keep me out of error. When I went on my journeys throughout the many years following, I used to have my mother, sister, aunt, different people, prayer warriors at a prayer group that prayed for me so that I would be covered in prayer, the only kind of Bible covering I believe in, and that I would be protected from error and I'd say Lord and I claimed a verse after meeting certain kinds of Christians which are still there the wrong kind I claim Lord he says he raised the poor and needy from the dust to sent them with the princes of his people so I said Lord I don't care if they're young or old black or white fat or thin rich or poor I want to be set with the princes and princesses of your people as my safety as my target and he has many times till I got not enough prayer protection or just didn't know the wild, rugged, deeply rugged, disrespectful, plastic and even demeaning huge numbers in the deep southwest. It is caustic, vulture culture for Christ following in certain quadrants. That's why I will not name names, but I will teach correction and doctrine. All right. The idea is that when you go around, you're trusting people. You want to accept the believer for who they say they are. So I'm going to tell you some of the vocabulary I had to learn. Nobody in the Baptist, nobody in the family that were Presbyterian, Methodist, and Baptist. 
Nobody in a black church, to my knowledge, because I've been in a lot. They don't have this hang-up on sin spying by ministry. I mean the ministers and the elders. And then it trickles down to the saints who think they're junior ministers. So we want to paint a picture that that needs to be evaluated, dealt with for this move of God. Because we're in it. And there's some nice people in that group. They just haven't been schooled on Ephesians 4 Common Doctrine, which means that not everybody has to be a member of a fellowship. It's more important they accept Jesus and worship and then let him work on them to say, go to fellowship or not, because they're accountable to the Lord, not you. There was no talk in my family until it got in the group that's affected by TV and this kind of ministry of having to be under a famous minister to be valid. Part of his ministry's group, the fan, you know, that was back in the 80s, started. There was no talk of you need to be covered. A woman needs to be covered. The men are over all women, whether they're you're married to them or not, whether they are a part of your ministry or not, whether they're in your family or not. And that is big, like I've never seen it in the Deep South, in DFW. It is huge in these, you know, these kind of churches. So the idea is that when I encountered, after being very respected by most men, my board, my father, good, good lot of men, and you go down to visit because you're in a new place, you're trying to find connections, the right people, and you walk in time after time, here and there around the whole area, practically, most of the whole area at grassroots, and you walk in and you happen to be now you're divorced, which you didn't know you'd have to do that. But the Bible says, if the unbeliever wants to go, let him, and you have to obey. Whether you want to, it's painful. But you go in there as an experienced, strong person. But in, after you've been all through your life, you're probably too strong for them. So they look like they've seen a ghost or a... And this is the white to white. Black people are not easily spooked. And you go in there with an authority and office all fivefold. You're not famous Maybe you don't look as good. I'd plumped up because I was under grief, weight, and moving. Maybe I wasn't as cheery and bright and responsive. Oh, yeah, I want to do anything to do it. You know, man-pleasing. I'm not a human pleaser. I was myself. And from what I experienced up to that point, even before the Deep South, that you could be yourself with most Christians, Baptists. And I'm sure everybody puts on a good front to a point, but you don't have to be faking it till you're making it to be accepted in a Christian community. You know, nowhere in my Bible did I ever find that one has to pre-qualify to be accepted in the Beloved in any part of the United States until I hit the rock of religion, DFW, where there's no fear of the Lord. I thought, what? I don't feel like I'm thin enough for that group. They only want pretty ministries that are all chipper and the women are subservient, and they're all like Barbie, and nothing wrong with Barbie. I want to look good myself. I want to get better back into Barbie, you know, but not fake Barbie. But I thought, where's the real deal deep Holy Spirit? Where's the real deep Bible teaching? Where's the maturity? Where's the purity? You know, at one point, I had to give up my first and only helper, who is my new... I deal with men a lot, and, I, you know, just because you deal with men and you're a woman, you don't have to see accused with sin you legalists out there. So I dealt with people with a clear conscience and I had a helper. 
that I trusted and he was like a brother and he was a musician at first when I got to DFW and he was telling me about the musicians and all this stuff well it turned out he was on a band down in the old part of Texas old part of DFW and he was in their stage band the worship team and he was a new believer but they were over him and they had their choice to you know teach him or not turned out when I got to know him better he was living with a, he was letting his girlfriend live with him now if you're a Christian you're not supposed to do that if you're a Christian you're not supposed to do it and if you're on the stage band on ministry you're not supposed to be on the stage if you're doing it if you're a visitor you're welcome if you're doing it but if you're once you are committed to the Lord so deep that you're called to ministry you have to give that up you have to put the Lord before self so when I found that out I I said you know what you've got to make your choice the Lord or or keep the girl and he kept the girl so I remembered feeling man I'm back to zero no helpers and I was alone in Texas and I felt the Lord would say he's better to please me than please yourself just to get the ministry going he said and I got the revelation that when I'm before the Lord by myself one day, the Lord will hold me accountable for what I did in my private life, my ministry, and my public ministry. So I did it as unto the Lord and let him go. But before I let him go, I found out also the rough lay of the land that whenever he uh, he would introduce me, he'd, he'd ride me around to show me, because it was a huge area. I would get lost. He's very nice. So I... He'd introduce me. I got introduced to these people and their wife. Well, and they were on another worship team in another another church, like an assembly of God. I'd hear about them and meet them. I said, oh, hi, how are you? Later, I found out they were also living together. They weren't legally wed either. When I got to where I could finally start the process of trying to get people to form a staff where I used to live, not McKinney, I gave that up a long time ago out here. I realized that now you have to ask the people that want to be on your staff if they're really saved. And you have to find out, are they really wed or just saying they, oh yes, we're married by faith. You have to find out if they're really legally wed. I would advise them just having to bring their marriage license. <laughs> it was that thick. So when I had a vision in 2006 or seven, after me getting ripped off, after finding that hail fellow, well-met, Christ-following, busy, bustling, doesn't mean honest. I felt like the Lord was showing me this as a prophet for his people. He was allowing me to be put through this process as a prophet. To mill me, get me used to this, but also, I'm never going to get used to that. But also to get me some teaching fodder, to build compassion for what's going on under the name of Jesus Christ for today, for right now, so that all of this can be prayed about. This can be addressed in teaching. You know, when you have the TV minister, the celebrity, I like some of them. I admire them. Many have been through grief, poverty before they got there, and now we just see them after. It is my opinion that many of them, maybe most of them, have no clue what goes on under their name. When people trade on their name at the local fellowship, saying, "I'm," it used to be big where I used to live. Oh, who are they under? Oh, they're under so and so. Oh, famous. Oh, I'm. A, but she's not under. And I what? You know, this is immature, but it's also uneducated. And but it's real life because it 
breeds this club thinking, I'm for Apollos, I'm for Paul, celebrity dependency. And it can also make for the weaker minister, because I've seen it, same thing, a dependent of the pastor on the people to get praised. So if anything, God has delivered me from that and spared me from it, but it hadn't been easy. <laughs> I've gotten where I'm not pastor dependent or prophet dependent or even self dependent. I have to be Lord dependent and I'm so much more happy and joyful. So we are very suspicious right now of meeting new people. And I think a lot of people are that, but I'm trying to say, let's don't accuse them. Let's rethink the process, up our teaching about relationships, real respect, work on superior, you know, getting rid of the false doctrine like the Big Eye, Little You ministry. During my time of discovery, and I did get out, the Lord led me out of the charismatic movement in 2012 out here. I set down my nonprofit. I said, Lord, I dusted, after what I'd seen, which is what I'm teaching about, I have no desire. You do not want me in that. You want to spare me and protect me from not being around that caustic Christ-following type. And it's everywhere. Not at your local out-of-church area, though, basically, unless you meet these people and they are, you know, like that. Anyway, so I was going to my doctrinal research, thinking there for the grace of God go I. What causes this? Let me go down my list. Well, I happen to have grace to have two parents that were happy and normal, natural, smart people that were not bigoted, biased, chauvinist, chauvinist, gender biased, misogynist, legalist. Isn't that rare? I didn't know that then, but now I do. Raised under the Billy Graham type of fear of the Lord. By God's mercy. So a lot of people were not. And the society today is that bad, frankly, and worse than I've ever seen in the Deep South, where they run themselves ragged at a rapid pace. Everyone working two jobs, you know, really, and the children are fed fast food <laughs> a lot. Not everyone. But in general, it is a hasty, you can't get one person to sit still long enough to ask them a question. And that's what makes the Eli, Temple High Priesthood, Compassion Fatigued out here, 1 Samuel 1, which I'll do a whole topic on another day. I can't wait. But when you think, if people are going to stereotype, if they are going to use geriatric, passed down Jezebel, weak doctrines, if they're going to, you know, forward the female on from a pastor who's a male to the waiting woman, and then she, you know, she's overseer and lecturing without even speaking and knowing your name while you're there, that you're a peer, just based on their process, their immaturity, I think this is a prophetic apostolic moment to teach on that. Call attention, defrag doctrine, get rid of accusation, get back the fear of the Lord, but not fear of man or female or black person or international or native Texan. So we want to have boldness, courage, and also humility, and James 3.17, art. Abiding relationship theology comes out of every bit of this. Abiding in James 3.17, any wisdom that represents God is first of all pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and to the best of my ability, I'm always acting like that and am like that in and out of season. By his mercy, if I fall off the horse and get stressed, then I just say, Lord, forgive me, and I try to not be that way. 
So the idea nobody's perfect, but we can keep, with God's help, getting better. So before I started, I was thinking of vocabulary words that people will use. I know them because I'm a prophet. And I know the vocabulary of this kind of people that are interested in everyone's business. It's immaturity. They'll think without asking. See, this is it. It really, after I saw too much spooky spiritual, Queen Jezebel spying, been in Christian pastors' grassroots meetings afterwards and hear people complain that their people, their sheep were church hopping over to the other person's house. You know, like they owned and possessed God's people. That was not how I was raised, so it shook me up and I teach on it. I thought, well, you know, that's under common doctrine. That would be back under the law to accuse them, spread rumors among the other pastors. They, they were in rebellion. Yet this goes on and that went on then. And I met at least 32 people, only one male who's quiet, and the rest female who were judged and named among the pastors of that kind, that ilk, in rebellion based on the law, based on an accuser nature and a Jezebel spirit complex, as well as, I know his mother was very dominating, so maybe it issues from the beginning. That's my theory, that when I walk up and people like me, I look at them now and I think, you know what, but they had, they liked their mamas. But when I look at the whelps, man, I don't know what their mamas must have done, or their patriarchal dads. To me, that's like getting off the boat up in the Puritans and then pinning the Jezebel which you know, the witch trials of Salem come from there. Suspicion of women, real women, and then this spectral evidence. Don't speak to them. Don't ever humble yourself. In Matthew eighteen fifteen through seventeen, one to one, confront them in a respectful fashion. Relationship, respect, male or female. Don't ever Galatians six one in a spirit of humility go and correct them if they need it lest you be tempted in the same fashion later, that's totally omitted. That relationship is totally omitted. All those kind of verses, everywhere, everywhere this is taught, because I've been around it. So we're com we're commending those if you do, which is, I've never seen one. I've never been confronted, but I have been jumped. I have been accused by this type never speak, never want to really get to know you, treat you like a piece of meat because they are your, They once they see it's a female in the earth suit, they judge by stereotype, they accuse uh oh, it must be like my mama told me, somebody bad and ready to undermine, take over, be dominating, or like that Jezebel controller and we've always heard about, so therefore I'm up front with it, I confront Jezebel doctrine, I say Jezebel spying legalism is really a Jezebel spirit, <laughs> I put up some articles on Online Fellowship, DFW Lead, around June 23rd about all these types of whelp things and accusation at the front lines, just trying to defrag, make Jesus' house safe again, make people who love the Holy Spirit not afraid to go back, knowing that they won't get jumped or accused or gossiped about or slandered, that they were a witch. Uh, even if they were real rich, hey, Jesus was God enough. Holy Spirit powered enough to go and confront the witch and bind it and cast it out, and deliver it and clean it up. And most, if they deal with real witches as an authority, listen, a real witch was looking to control because they had such hell on their in their home life. Their father and mother, they were just so treated so awfully. Usually, 
that they were looking for power and they went to the wrong place and then it took them over, maybe. Or, or maybe it hadn't taken them over, it's not too late. So there are many spectrums of the use of the term witch, but I'm talking about crazy-matic doctrine, not charismatic, crazy-matic. When they get everyone paranoid and it's like they enthrone Jezebel. One of my worst case scenarios for fellowshipping with the saints. My least likely desire is the Friendly Fire Fellowship based on accusation but rumor, but no one, not a living soul up front confronting like family. Not submitting. Here they want everyone to submit. You want everyone to submit to your culture of government. But you leave out, you we-centric usually, you leave out the simple basic relationship respecting verses and Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 5.24, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one. I mean, there's so many left out that we want to make sure that we are proven and mature, healthy fellowships and ministers for God to send new people. When I first got out here and I was grieving, I was a grieving, I'd been through a lot of trauma, abuse, husband's nightmare of a quadruple bypass, but he turned and he found somebody else shortly after. And I didn't want to get a divorce. I never thought it was right. And yet I wasn't allowed not to. And I had to fight the law. Didn't know anybody that had a divorce in our family. And I didn't have any helpers. And so I just was feeling like Paul in Macedonia out here, despairing for life itself. But God was with me and I he taught me many things about self-prospering my soul and taking it easy and casting all my care and getting online. So good things have happened. But during that time, I went to try to find comfort. You know, the Bible does teach, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. And you think as a Christian, that's where you're supposed to go to the church, find a fellowship. So I tried. It was then I discovered the compassion fatigue and empathy-free controlling groups where you had to either you had to conform to them jo join on their dotted line or else they want nothing of you if you found anyone that would even talk to you fit you into their busy schedule it was for pay and this is churches one time I went, I had a friend who was a massage therapist, and she had her own room in the top of her house, really nice place. And she said her sister had been to one church where in the area where before they could join the church, they had to sign a deposit slip or withdrawal slip so that every month automatic deposit, automatic tithe off the gross would be taken out every month. That was a mandatory requirement that they had to do it or they could not join legalism Phariseeism money is a money is an item we need to address this after we've talked on art abiding relationship theology dealt with what we've dealt with been through what we've been through what's seen what's going on we say you know what the relationship with money the relationship with money is really probably the root of most of the world's evil it causes pressure, it causes pain, it causes accusation, it causes pride, 
It causes superiority. It causes power, lust and thirst for power. There's a lot of things. Marriage is divorce because of it. So the ten relationships that it can either model Jesus Christ, the Messiah of Luke 10, Luke 11, 2 and 3. He would not judge by the sight of his eyes. He delighted himself in the fear of the Lord. He was sharp of discerning, but he wouldn't discern based on what he heard. He wouldn't believe the evil report. He wouldn't judge by what he saw as a prophetic power. Do we role model the Messiah in our relationships or the accuser? The accuser who is the deceived one, the relationship, friction causer, adversary, liar, thief, who steals from the church, from the true church. So let's look back and examine what we're teaching, what we're really thinking, and why we're thinking it for the sake of the, the gospel, for leadership, and then for the lay and for the children. The future of the church rests upon this, I truly believe. I frankly believe we have no possible hope unless we get back to square one with God, the real deal about love, family, truth. And then Jesus was an assessor and there is judgment. He is just, but he wasn't an accuser and he wasn't a father who screams and is vindictive and says you're going to burn in hell. And I've studied this because I know what good dads are like, great pastors are like, great you know, fathers. And when I studied pre-law, prior to the fall, it was all about relationship and Adam and respect. And even when Adam made a big, big sin, which was huge, as we all know how huge it really is. Even with that, when the father went to Adam, he didn't go to Eve, even though Eve had sinned, deceived first. He went to Adam to respect his authority, chain of command, as the firstborn man head of home, and he said, Adam, where are you? He didn't come screaming and reviling and name-calling and accusing him. Adam, I know what you did. What did you do? But see, that's what we think from the Puritans, maybe, or the back of our mind, or TV, or our own fathers. So we're going to have to really re to repopulate Christian houses, the house of the Lord. We're going to have to repackage and rethink ministry, accusation, the father where is the father in a lot of the churches where's the father's heart and then what's the difference between being meek meek turning the other cheek like sweet baby jesus and mealy mouth condescending and pc correct pop psychology that's the other one so i put another pdf at the top of online fellowship about jesus and the overseer and the pc correct or pop psychology something like that on online fellowship about when jesus tossed over the temple money changers back in the day and if he did it now these churches would say oh you don't have to pay any mind to jesus he's just got bitter root judgments against us he has unforgiveness baggage toward the system and the priests like he always did another one would say oh that jesus christ he's not wrapped too tight don't pay him any mind and then some little old lady would hobble over on her cane and tell the Pharisees, tell Jesus, Jesus, let not your good be evil spoken of. You're going to make ruin your mother's, your good saintly mother's reputation and all of your disciples. And I put about six more, eight more on there as well. That's what they would say. So we want to get our, our act together, our not an act, we want it to be real, but we want to get our theology grounded and wholesome and welcoming 
not PC, filled with faith. Oh yeah, filled with faith. I love the thought of Paul. Really, I go back, because I think big. I think this is big. If you go back to what we know now, and what we can see in the future with science, space travel, cellular, all the things, Holy Spirit, all the things we know about, you know, we, we science fiction, all the things we can at least get a little taste of. And we look back at when God formed the garden and he put Adam in it with nothing missing, nothing broken, Adam and Eve. He said, that's your home. Go for it. Enjoy yourself. Well, what if they hadn't sinned and broken that and gotten pain and suffering and shortage in the world? Maybe they would have had Wi-Fi and all these things we have now with no sin or blemishes or accusation. No law wouldn't be needed. It was relationship-based self-control based so therefore we look skip ahead from Adam and Eve to Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 9 and 10 one of my favorite verses for my own ministry jumpstart verses for me personally Apostle Paul writes and he says to the churches the carnal church of Corinthians who are vying for popularity with leaders I'm for Apollos I'm for Paul they dealt with charlatans people that were lascivious false tough customers like we do now Paul says to this quagmire of theology of passions of the wrong kind even a cult carnality to the Corinthian first church he says, in the midst of that, change your perspective. Let's elevate your perspective. And he tries to point a picture of new things past their imagination, hopeful things. I'm going to do that now. The Bible says, Paul wrote, he says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of any living person those things which the Lord has prepared for those who love him but those things are revealed by the Spirit for the Spirit searches all things yea even the deep things of God that's 1 Corinthians 2 9 and 10 that is a verse to claim you can say Lord your word says that no matter how bad it looks in the earth how much they talk about global warming and all the pain and hell on earth Lord, your word says still that there are things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, people, nobody anywhere has even thought about it, that you've got it already through prayer, time, patience, and your ongoing revelation. In our knowledge of you, how does revelation happen in the family of God? With that verse to really believe for yourself, for your mama, for everybody, your ministry, that there are new things you've never even thought of yet. I'm doing that. All right, that's how we got here, I think, because I did this and, you know, God allowed me the grace through that, plus a lot of suffering. All right, the idea is, so now we think, well, eyes not seen, ears not heard, yes, but how do you get this place of new information revealed by the Spirit? How do you get that to the lay people, to the leadership, to yourself? Paul who had been ostracized by the first church 12 mentored by Jesus, had been kicked out, disenfranchised, the left foot of fellowship gone up to be with the Arabs in Damascus, Syria, for 14, 13 years, and he was so much time on his hands and so much warfare, not enough Christians or fellowship, that he had plenty of time to work on God and his relationship, and God gave him the download that gave him the download 
and knowing how it happened to come back and tell the churches plus write two-thirds of the New Testament. Here's what Paul says about how we, how we are all supposed to get it, and we can get it, and we need it. Ephesians 1.17, Paul writes to the churches all these hopeful things. I love those prayers Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 and 3. And he says, I pray for all of you all, that all of you have more of God's wisdom, His Holy Spirit wisdom, and, and revelation in your knowledge of Him. That doesn't mean, and let me say what I'm teaching, this is a teaching, it doesn't mean I want to read books about Him. I'm being for Him. I want to sit under brother, sister's great teaching many and hear about Him. You need to be like, if they've got a great teaching ministry, they're already doing what I'm telling you probably to get there. All right, You are to go to God directly and hang around with Him and be with Him and understand Him. You know, the Bible said that the children of Israel in the Old Testament knew about God. They knew His knew about God, but Moses knew his ways. Moses, the leader who'd been to the mountain, a place of revelation, a place of the spirit of understanding, a past common sense, past logic and form and earthly knowledge. They'd been with the Lord and he got imparted to and a download of an insight, revelation, a consciousness raising. So all this you can think about. Just think about it. And this is how it happens. God will by grace in his mercy for free, not working it, not working it to, you know, shaking it till you make it, not achieving it. It's by grace. One day when you're with the God and you're seeking the Lord with all your heart, mind and soul and you want to do whatever he says, one day he'll just give you an idea or something will occur to you or you'll get a Bible verse that leaps out. And that's why I've done That's why I do it. So we're still in a place where there are things that eye has not seen, ears not heard, those things which the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. That means you and me. But you have to be asking for it, going after it, and seeking God with all your heart and saying, I'm not going to be shy. I'm not going to put off asking. I want to start it now. And you can do that. So there are things past the drama and trauma of this age, past the politics and the trauma and drama of the news. That's horrible. Have a media fast. Go in with God instead. Turn off some of that and get in with God and press in. Read His Bible and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, and I'm going to close. He said to the Sadducees who were trying to trick Him, they didn't believe in the supernatural. He said, and this is boiling it down to that one phrase in Matthew. He says, you err, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. And one day... Many years ago, the Lord said, Tava, that's the secret of every answer to prayer. Do whatever God says, but then it's either going to be God is training you more to need about more of his word, the logos, the rhema, how to renew your mind, how faith acts, which is, you know, develop skill over time, grace, and how to understand how to get more out of God's word and his study and claiming it for faith, promises, that type of thing. He said, or another, the problem could be saved another year, another season, because you don't know enough about my Holy Spirit, the power of God, the wisdom of God, this laying on of hands, the gifts of the Spirit, hearing from the Lord, discernment issues, power and praising issues, peace of God, spiritual issues. So I'm submitting that for your edification, hopefully, and knowledge, and you can think on that later and let God grow that upon you and in you. 
you know, we're not at the end, but we are at the end. We're at the end of the old, and we're at the the end of we're at the beginning of the brand new. We're in it. It's important we get it right and that we have favor, but we have to do our part with the relationships and our theology. And when you show up, assess people. When they show up, you assess, not use them on their earth suit, their stereotype. I'd like to put this out before I close because I'm running out of time. I'm grateful for my dad respecting me. I never thought about, oh, I'm only a woman. I only have to wear pink. I don't even like pink, but it was just like you're a human. He and my sister raised his people first. And I believe in people first, gender second. So I'll respect you for who you are, whether you have an office or not, white or black or brown. I'll respect you because you're human. And when someone shows up and I think, oh, look, their earth suit says they're black or a man. I'll respect them because I'm not after your earth suit. I'm after who you are on the inside like Paul. Here's a scripture. Paul said, I want to know nothing about anybody except Christ and him crucified. That means I'm not going to be moved by your utter court. I'm going to be moved by your actions, your fruit of your relationships, your fear of the Lord, your trustworthiness, how you treat people. Are you respectful? So I'd like to close and my final word would be, this word would be, you know what, because of racism, bias, accusation in ministry, real life, bullying, all this racism, awful stuff, gender bias, age bias, pastor and lay bias, whatever, you want to train people that God made them uniquely and chose to design them into that earth suit that they, they wear. And that it is a choice by God. It's a wonderful assignment, even though it might be testing you at times about your color, your shape, your size, your age, your, you know, when you're put in it, and your gender. And it might be a test to other people, or many people, which is between you and, you know, God needing God's help and how to be mature and all that. So if it's not this sin to be white, sin to be black, which would be accusation, Instead, we need to spread the teaching around that it's a sign. You know, you're sent like a prophet almost as a sign to somebody, and you happen to show up that day in that church, that fellowship, that office building, in your family gathering, you know, your extended family, and you look like you do, and you walk like you do, and you have all these attributes that you have. Your hair is that way, but it's not a crime. If we were back before sin came in the garden, everybody could look like anything and no one would know because they're all loving and in the spirit. But because we're in the atmosphere of, you know, part heaven, but mostly the other, the natural world, we have people with their critical thinking and their bullying online and their poor self-esteem, pride, attitude, superior pride. And we want to work on getting rid of that. Nobody ever will or can. They should, but they can't because we're still on earth. But with God's help, we can get better. And that's what I'm after, better. More power, more love, more James 3.17, abiding relationship fruit, even under pressure. And I'm working on that myself, believe me. Don't think that what I teach, I don't have to work on. God bless you. He loves you. Have a great day. God is good. His mercy endures. Look forward to something. Think about all the things you have right now that you can give thanks for and make your list and check it twice. God bless you. Bye-bye.